0: Welcome to Episode 2, Part 4 of Ask a Dude, Three Women, One Guy, where we get real answers on subjects most men aren't willing to talk about. This is Sacred Truths with Emmy Graham. been suggested that perhaps I should share my entire list, which is quite long. It's three pages. And granted, I think some of these are variations on the same theme. But this was a stream of consciousness list I made a few weeks back, or maybe a couple months back. So I'll just read it here now in its entirety to question what is feminine girls women have to be thin, never ever be fat. Sexually attractive without being sexual. Pretty, beautiful. Accommodating, agreeable. Smart, but never smarter than the boy. Quiet, never contrarian. Never opinionated. Nurturing. Put other people's feelings and needs first. Best to be accomplished in sewing, cooking, caregiving. Compassionate. Put boys' and men's interests first. Can have interests as long as they don't interfere with boys' interests. Be agreeable to male-dominated cultural icons such as sports teams, musicians, bands, male political leaders. Understand your place, that men lead the world and we support them. Accommodate men regarding their sexual needs, and remain virginal simultaneously. Allow men to impose on your space physically, energetically, but never be assertive or flirtatious yourself. Be a good listener. Always be agreeable to men teaching you things. Do not show an interest in food. Eat small amounts. Be athletic, but not to the extent that you outshine a man. Keep issues regarding your period to yourself. Do not show hostility toward men or mock them or outsmart them. Be careful what you wear. Be sexy without appearing to be sexy. Do not be hairy. Erase all signs of hair on your body, but have voluminous hair on your head. Agonize over this. Agonize over your breasts, their size, shape, Enhance them, hide them, curse them, thank them. Agonize over the size of your rear end. Look at it from every angle and every outfit. Worry that you are not pretty enough byproducts to improve this. Do not have strong opinions in front of men. Do not be too ambitious. Accept that marriage is your main goal. Your job is ultimately to run the house and keep the marriage together. Take the blame if your husband is dissatisfied. Keep a neat and tidy house. Be clean, neat, and orderly in your appearance. It is your job to keep your husband neat and clean in appearance. Accommodate your man in areas where he is weak or lacks awareness, such as social cues, polite customs, such as thank you cards and birthday gifts, etc. Make sure your needs are second to his. Believe that men do things better, sports, operate machinery, professional jobs. With the exception of everyday household cleaning and cooking, changing diapers, child care, this is different from a professional upholstery cleaner or chef, for example. Worry that if you want to do more than have babies, you are a freak, and the options available are uninteresting and grim. Want sex, but not too much sex. You don't ever want to be a slut. Wanting some sex is better than not wanting sex at all. You don't ever want to be a prude. Do not show too much interest in a woman. Never hurt a man's feelings by rejecting his sexual advance. Smile and be kind. Smile. Just smile. Always be nice and kind. Have social graces. Agonize if your body is not petite, if your hands or feet are big, if you are taller than most men.
1: It's really powerful hearing that all at once. Because it, to me, it, it, it describes the scope of these demands, you know, it's, it seems it sounds extensive to me. And it, it really inspires me to really put my list together and to share it here as something to go together. And I, I can't on short notice, I, I can't really put it together right now, but it makes me want to do that. Cause it, it feels like these two packages, these are these packages. And they're operating... I mean, these are governing how we're interacting. (laughs) And the expectations that are maybe overlapping. Maybe not. They might vary from generation to generation. They might be evolving. Who knows And it's all happening on this unconscious, unspoken level. So that... That seems really significant to me, the extent because I have experience of of how long the list is for for men, and many of those things are universal or nearly. Everyone nods in the room when that these certain things come up. And not everything, but there's kind of a core list that's that's pretty universal. And so, if this is universal, unspoken. We're not sure how it's getting transmitted from generation to generation and it's governing our interactions. Wow. That's having a big impact on how things are happening between people in a really unconscious way. So that's that's really interesting to me. I'll do that whenever we come together again or however that works, I'll, I'll put what I my download all at once in a list form. I can reference it. I can look things up. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing I I felt was really that came up earlier. I'm really interested in uh, the fact that it's reversed. You ask, what is a good man? What is a, a real man? The real man question usually gets the, the program answers what was imposed on us what's expected of us as men goes into the real man category or what you want to call it the shadow part but it sounds like that's reversed that it it, when women engage that question it's the opposite The, the good woman is the expectation that's where the expectations are and the real woman is is what's Comes is more authentic. I don't want to. I don't know what the words are. More authentic comes from within. More heart centered, and that is that's amazing to me that that's flipped like that. Really, Um, so
2: I'm going to ask the ladies a question. Dude, (laughs) (laughs) I'm really curious for you guys. Well, actually, maybe I'll just ask you, Emmy, because we just read your list. Who, if you have an internal sense of the gender of whoever is evaluating whether you're conforming to that list?
0: Oh, gosh. I think it might be a a female, mostly. I think so. How about for you, Deborah? For me it's absolutely my
3: grandmother.
2: Yeah, that is interesting cuz for me it's definitely male. Yeah, and I'm I'm really curious now. I hope people like comment if they're listening about whether that is a generational thing related to my sense of like being a good sexual object versus being kind of proper that you guys have I'm just super curious about
0: that. I have no idea. The only exception I would make are things where I'm afraid of men. Mm-hmm. Like it could damage me, like want some sex, but not too much sex. You don't want to be a slut. That's that that does come from a female, but there's also a real danger with a man. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, it makes sense that you know it's men who teach men how to be men, fathers, brothers, coaches, teachers. Certainly for me, seventh grade revealed that women were dangerous. Girls were dangerous, mean. I went to a suburban school with serious cliques of the wealthy kids up on the hill and the hoi polloi and then the misfits. And every junior high has some sort of, I think, version of that that I know. And for me at that time, there were a couple of questionable, dangerous, if you will, boys, but... It was the girls, that particular group of girls, I had to be really careful to avoid engagement with because they were scathing and I wasn't probably in physical danger cuz I was pretty scrappy, but gosh, the social censure was profound. And they all wore blue eyeshadow. <laughs> well, one question I had
2: was about what it's like to be have a woman laugh at you, like a woman or women laugh, like really laugh at you, not just necessarily you specifically, but for a man. And then yeah, just reflecting on the role of like real trauma on both sides here and how that links to
3: shame and shame for men, shame for us. I was thinking about how I felt after Emmy read your list because many, many of those things on your list would be on my list. Not everything, but the enormous majority of it. And I love that you read it in such a neutral way, just kind of relentless, relentless, relentless. And I was thinking the conversation that you and I had, Emmy, about how life delivers blows to us, mental, physical, emotional, just, 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 sort of a pounding from the time we're tiny, tiny. And each of the items on your list felt like a blow. And it just made me so sad and angry that anybody, man, woman, child, transgender, human, anybody should be subjected, which everybody is, to sort of the vagaries of society. This is how you're supposed to behave. I've been reading a series of silly novels that set, are set in Regency England, 1810, 1815, and they're silly romance novels. I just needed a little respite from the real world. And the rules of society at that time and place were so rigid that a housemaid can't marry a prince. For instance, this is the theme of this book, people staying in their social class and to whom you can speak, to whom you should never speak. And those rules seem so gloriously old-fashioned and outdated. But they're not. And everything, I think, on all the lists, these are legacy lists. This isn't just from the 60s. It's from the 1860s. Nick and I were speculating on whether or not a certain kind of women in their place misogyny went back to Benipal and the Assyrian Empire, because there's some resonance there with the kind of ancient cultures laying down the law of who can do what and when, And how, and I think this stuff, you know, there's all those books about takes eight generations or five generations or at least three generations to work through trauma. And that's, if we're working on it, but mostly we're not working on it because we can't, we just say, that's how it is because we're so, I guess, inured by the blows. We think that feeling bruised and battered is the human experience, which it has been for probably the majority of people to this day. I guess it's the sorrow. It's the weight of the sorrow. And my hope that through this work the four of us can change the story. And hopefully the people listening can start thinking about their own lists and their own expectations and their own boxes and maybe maybe can liberate a few more souls as we go.
1: Kind okay, of gathering thoughts here. Lot lots to cover, lots to think about. I think to what, what you were talking about, Heather, I see that this is a situation where this is really no one's winning in this thing. Like, as it is, in general, my experience of it is that this is this is harming everybody, how these established gender roles and these lists. I think the process of stepping out of these lists and questioning them and, and, and witnessing them, I mean, just saying this is what it is and actually the light of day as a starting point is really powerful to do. And it starts the process of being able to work with it and step out of it and get out of this thing that just just hurts everybody, really.
0: So I
2: wondered if we have time just talking about the experience of a woman just really laughing at you. Oh, yeah. That whole
1: general idea. I'm having a hard time coming up with a personal experience where that really happened. I'm, I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> yeah.
2: Or I should clarify. I just, and maybe it's not you. I mean, yeah. one male, a male one.
1: Yeah. Or the collective or whatever. I think that. If I tune into this, the shadow masculine programming channel, it's such a fragile system. This thing that's being, it's like a shell, like a really thin shelled vulnerable reality that this shadow masculine system is maintaining. Because just beneath the surface of whatever bravado there is or whatever Apparently arrogant behavior, apparently confident behavior, apparently capable. Whatever the the, the show is, that's happening, there's just this incredible reservoir of shame and pain with the thinnest possible <laughs> veneer over it. And so the slightest thing happening to interrupt that, like just... A slight comment of like well have you thought about this maybe we should try this or why don't you ask directions (laughs) kind of stereotypical things but can just bring it all down like suddenly that shame body just goes and just takes over and person can either retreat explode has a high tendency to do that but certainly actually laughing would be catastrophic because even if, if even the slightest question or the is like, Hey, maybe we should, if that can bring the house down, then yeah. Wow. So there'd be an incredible vulnerability to that, that experience in, in that shadow space for sure. Yeah.
3: I have brothers. I have laughed at them and that's a different relationship. Of course, you know, it's, 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 it's got different rules, but even me laughing at my brothers has caused trouble most of us don't like to be laughed at but i'm wondering if i wonder
0: if men more than women i don't know i thought of an example of being maybe mocked is a better word as a woman and it used to be it doesn't happen anymore i feel a lot safer but going to a garage where i need some service on my car is just the most frightening experience as a young woman. It's terrifying. It's just awful. And after a while, I got to the point where I just brought a male friend with me, even if I know what the problem is with my car. It's just so humiliating, mocking. Oh, you. Th- oh, you. Uh huh. Mocking my question, mocking my concern. It feels like being laughed at, and to me, it's just frightening. It's really. Frightening and it's humiliating, and it's just an awful experience. Now I go to the place where they all, these very nice young men, change my oil and they're thank you, and can I get you coffee? And it's just such a much better experience now. (laughs) I'm grateful, but it was a serious fear as a young woman. That's how it was for me. And that continues. Not
3: perhaps as prevalent as it was, but. Just a week ago, my cousin needed to take her car in. We thought she was perhaps being taken advantage of. We consulted someone who knew much more about cars, um, and it turned out what they told her they needed to fix didn't exist in her car. And so a couple of us got protective and went and sorted it out, and this was, you know, a week and a half ago, and I had to explain to my cousin that as a young woman, she's 27, she... Is subject to that vulnerability, in particularly in the auto industry, which seems odd. But we know—I mean, IT guys are condescending sometimes. Oh, little lady, you don't know that. And boy, oh boy, oh boy! Interesting. I chose that word, but that—that that sort of casual male condescension toward women's competency—I'm not going to put up with that anymore. I once called out a really unctuous waiter. I'd gone in with some female friends to brunch. I was the youngest in the group, and I was in my 40s. And this young whippersnapper said, Ladies, it's so lovely to have you here. You just brighten my day by coming in. Where do you girls want to sit? I turned and dealt. (laughs) And subsequently, he referred to us politely and respectfully and got out of the way.
1: So I think it's hard to figuring out who has the worst experience, you know, kind of in general terms, but it's more of an understanding about how fragile this, this masculine shell is and how quickly it can just go, just implode. And then not to excuse it, but certainly the dude in that situation is having a bad experience. Like if they're in a shame implosion, but it would be easy for whoever made the statement or mocked or laughed or whatever could have a very bad experience too in that situation. That's a dangerous. That's a dangerous situation because there's this incredible shame pain explosion happening within inside this guy, and he could lash out. In a really dangerous way in that situation so earlier
3: we were talking about how amongst the things women are taught is that male egos are, are very very tender and they bruise really easily and we would be best to remember this and not poke the tiger and what you're saying is that was that was good advice right or wrong
1: It's certainly part of something that's really destructive and unhealthy for everybody but yeah given the givens if if we're talking about these two packages these two sets of programming that two people have been programmed or more than likely the the guy that you're dealing with has this programming and the shame the shame ball that's just waiting to blow up then yeah it is legitimately dangerous to poke that yeah yep well, everybody, I feel like we touched on a lot of really powerful stuff today. And has, this has given me a lot to think about. I'm thinking about my list, how to put that together, how to do that. It's, And I think that's a really important thing for me to put together and, and to share here when when the time is right. So I'm thinking about that. And I'm thinking about... We touched on some things that are heavy, dark, feels dark. Sometimes we encounter shining light in a corner that ugh, we have to just take a moment and take a deep breath to really process this because this isn't things we've experienced, but then this is also a legacy. This goes, I don't know how far back. And so whenever I have that feeling of of encountering something that dark or difficult or with that much pain behind it. I have to take a deep breath and say, all right, we are starting the process of discontinuing this legacy. That's, that's what we're doing. And the first part of that is the light of day of just making a list or talking about a taboo topic bringing something to light that maybe has never been talked about that freely before or not very much. And then that that perspective is what gives me the power to keep going and to keep digging into this stuff and keep shining the flashlight even when I can feel that that feeling of <laughs> something saying, don't do that. <laughs> don't say that. don't shine the light there. No, don't, don't do it. This whole thing's gonna blow. And then I say, well, I'm going to go ahead or we're going to go ahead and go somewhere that feels risky or uncomfortable or scary or dark or hard. So that that's where I end up in this work. I'll call it work of unraveling these mysteries. So then I feel honored. Yeah, I feel honored to be here and grateful to be here and grateful that we're able to do this and speak freely about these things that are feel so taboo that's where i'm right now i'm grateful to be here and grateful that we did this
0: nick i'd like to thank you for being our dude once again and thank you heather and deborah for being here as well thank you thanks all This is Sacred Truths with Emmy Graham, with music by Lemon Music Studio from Pixabay, and with special thanks to our dude, Nick Ordson. This concludes Part 4 of Episode 2 of Ask a Dude. Please join us for Episode 3. Please visit our website at sacred-truths.com.